Welcome, Fruitball fans, to another episode of Fruitball Weekly. And this time, it's our second fan-picked episode. The film that you have chosen for us to review this month is We Can Be Heroes 2020. As always, there will be heavy spoilers, so please watch this film first if you don't want it spoiled. Now that the spoiler warning is done, grab a snack, pour a drink, and get comfy for today's episode of Fruitball Weekly. <laughs> Fruitball Weekly and a can of coke. I'm Ramra, joined again by Kitchen. Hola. And on to a quick synopsis before the main review. We Can Be Heroes is a superhero comedy movie made for children by Robert Rodriguez, in which an alien force attacks and invades Earth, and all the adult superheroes have been captured. It is now up to their children to not only save them, but also save the world as they battle government officials and aliens to save their parents and become heroes. So, We Can Be Heroes, to basically start off... With, I guess, a semi-interesting fact. If you haven't already seen Shark Boy and Lava Girl, since it is a pretty old film now, I guess this is a sort of sequel to that. Even though technically Shark Boy and Lava Girl don't really make the biggest impact in this, it does technically build a world. So this might be the start of the Rodriguez-verse. That's it, the Robert Rodriguez Cinematic Universe. <laughs> the Cinematic Universe we all asked for. That's right, the RRCU. It does also kind of tie into the Spy Kids stuff too. Yeah, I suppose a lot of the gadgets in this are kind of... Well, I guess the gadgets and the sort of wacky action and stuff like that is more Spy Kids than uh, Shark Boy and Lava Girl related. Not only that, but the, the main characters of the film, the leaders of these hero groups, are powerless Latino humans. Yep. And they all seem to have a military spy aesthetic, which is very similar to the spy families from Spy Kids. The sort of powerless, I guess, main family. Let's just go into them for a second, because I feel like they are honestly probably the best dynamic in this, even though they don't get used for their dynamic. So the whole idea is that the Marino family, in which you have, I guess, Grandma Marino, Marcus Marino and Missy Marino played retrospectively by Adriana Barraza, Pedro Pascal, and Yaya Gosselin. They are sort of like, I guess, technically the biggest names in this universe, because Marcus Marino technically leads the, uh, the heroics, I guess they're called, and Grandma Marino trains all the heroes, which is kind of interesting because Grandma Marino doesn't seem to have a power, that I know of. Her power could be to make those little red men's the kids fight. That's that's true. It could be. But I am in the camp of that it's just a family business leading the hero teams. Yeah. Even if you're powerless. Because we did find out that grandma did lead one. Much yeah. like her son did. And now the daughter is being handed a team. I will say that I do feel like it's a nice aspect to not show uh, Grandma Marino having any powers. Because I think that links up well with the fact that Missy Marino, the I guess the main character and the daughter of the Marino family, doesn't actually have any superpowers. Mm. So I guess showing like whether Grandma 
does or does not have a power, it at least shows that there could be some sort of connection there, like maybe it's not always been a blood-related birthright to have a power. The blood-related birthright thing is still kind of weird to me, since I would assume that they're heroes by accident, circumstance, or mutation. Yeah, that's true. So it feels weird that they would just expect Super's kids to be Super, but then not really look for Supers outside of that circle. Yeah, because they don't really establish what actually causes powers in this universe. Or if they do, I think I missed it. There's not really an origin story given for each of the heroes besides Sharkboy and Lava Girl. Yeah. So, yeah, all the others are a big unknown. We don't know where they came from or how they got their powers. Which I guess is kind of weird, because the whole theme of Sharkboy and Lava Girl in the original was that I guess it's kind of hard to establish if it was all one kid's imagination or not. Yeah, it was dream-based before, wasn't it, with Max? That's it. And it's like, I know at the end of that film it sort of ends kind of like, oh, his imagination has leaked into the real world! But... Does that mean that technically all heroes started imaginary and then became real and just started living life or families? I feel like this RRCU (laughs) is getting real complicated already. How do we not know he hasn't already had like a a universe reset in the RRCU and this world was born from Max's imagination? Oh my god. He is the all-powerful super super. We're going to find out that he's the core of the planet and (laughs) (laughs) just his, just a giant floating head, just imagining all this. It's like, oh God. This could all still be in his head. We don't know. That is, we don't, we absolutely don't know. And it's a scary thought. (laughs) I gotta say, (laughs) it's a scary fucking thought. Um, But in terms of the story, the story is kind of basic believe in yourself and you can conquer your fears sort of coming of age story so the the main start to end point is that missy doesn't believe she's worthwhile because she doesn't really have powers she's still confident and she doesn't really get depressed in this but she's like everybody else has powers i'm powerless and throughout the film you know, she sort of leads the group, and it's like, you know, the strategic mind is its own power. It's like, okay. <laughs> Although they have a literal super genius on their team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but but without Mrs. Orders, what's the super genius gonna do? But really, the whole film is just that. Like, it starts off with the alien invasion, and big spoilers if you do actually care, turns out the whole story itself was a big training plan for the kids. Still aliens, though. It is true that it is still aliens. Doesn't really amount to much other than you are now not just the defenders of Earth, you are now the defenders of the galaxy. It's like, they didn't fucking ask for this. They're all fucking (laughs) seven or whatever. The alien design's pretty great, though. Reminded me of the Matrix. Oh, I I can see it from the Matrix when they're actually inside running away from the weird machine tentacle monsters. I can see that. Yeah, I like the design. I enjoyed the tentacle designs of the actual spaceships. They were cool. And I also enjoyed the tentacles coming out the back and it was sort of being like, we're, I guess, humanoid with tentacle bits. That was all right. Very slender. Oh, God. No, don't start. Don't start (laughs) making it canon to the Slenderman universe as well. Slenderman is just a bad one of those aliens, you know. <laughs> oh no. He's a tentacle monster gone rogue. 
Jeez, oh no. I can already hear it. The fan fiction, it's writing itself. That's why he goes after kids, because everyone knows that kids rule this alien race, and he doesn't like that. He doesn't like that. No, especially since they have their eye on Earth and they love Earthlings for some reason. No, he's going to prevent Earth from becoming like his planet by taking care of all the kids before they can become adults, which kind of won't work. Yeah. That is a way to (laughs) eradicate an entire species, but, you know, maybe he doesn't care about that. He just wants to kill the kids. And I've got to say that this whole film just has that great vibe of the minute you hit, like, 20 years old or 30 years old or the minute you become an adult, you are... Thick as fuck. <laughs> you just you just can't help being big dumb. As soon as you hit puberty, it's all monkey brain from there on. But it's there's lots of things like that in this that I believe the actual adult audience of this will kind of roll their eyes out or be like, oh, you know, haha. Like when there's this one scene of uh, what is supposed to be Wild Card. It's actually Facemaker's one scene, uh, Facemaker played by Andrew Diaz. It's Facemaker's one scene of him being actually useful and not annoying as fuck. And, you know, he's, he's cracking jokes and there's just this one guy behind me like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, like, the main uh... evil, or one of the main evil aliens is like, why are you laughing? And he's like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, miss. I'm sorry, I won't do it. And then he cracks another one, and he's like, ah, ah, I did it, I laughed, I'm sorry. And it's like, we get it. We we get it, we get it. But adults are big doms. And it's it's not something that I think they should have, I guess, continued as a theme, even though this is a kid's film. It doesn't really show adults, I guess, in a good light. I think Rodriguez did a better job in Spy Kids of showing adults in those situations. Yeah, but, you know, if we if we shifted angles from the actual adults, which I will say, though, a lot of the adults in this do a fucking fabulous job of hamming it up. We obviously have Marcus Marino, played by Pedro Pascal, as we said earlier. Honestly, he's kind of like the most bland out of all the adults, really. And he's the Mandalorian, which, to be fair, is a very one-note character. <laughs> yeah. Don't at me. <laughs> yeah, it's like emotionless mask man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But fucking, like, Grandma Marino, she's sassy. She's like, look, I've trained, you know, lots of heroes. I don't have time for your self-deprecating garbage. Just fucking go out there, use your powers, be a cool guy. She also has a button that moves two blades of grass to an obvious escape hole. (laughs) My secret hidey hole behind this grass. (laughs) And, you know, we have, um, I guess, the main government lady, uh, Miss Granada, who's played by Priyanka Chopra. You know what? She does a great job of playing the I am clearly evil, maniacal, I'm gonna (laughs) sassy walk everywhere, I'm gonna give back chat. I loved it. I loved it too. Absolute diva. Just just fucking catwalk as a regular walk. Uh Of all of the actors in We Could Be Heroes, I thought she was the one who most felt like she had to act. Yeah. And she did. (laughs) She certainly did. Because all sure. the others felt like, it's a kid's movie. It's dumb fun. It's supposed to be. I'm just going to have a fun time and do what the hell. Who cares about professionalism and acting? I'm just here for the fun, goofy shit. And she turns up and she goes, you know what? I'm still an actor. I'm going to act, but I'm going to make it fit. And it did. I'm going to ham it up. The first time she's introduced, she's like, she seems like a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> Stereotypical yeah. bad guy. And it's, it's amazing. I love it. I feel like a lot of the adults in this don't exactly act badly. 
I feel no. like they're all still acting, but in terms of actually, like, you know, taking on that concept of, this is a kid's film, I shouldn't take this role that seriously, but I should still give a good performance. Like, I actually think that, um, so, some of them, like, Miracle Man still does a good job. I think his name's Miracle Man. Miracle Guy? Miracle Mi- Man? Yeah, he's, it's Miracle something. He does a he does an alright job in this, and a lot of the other ones are kind of side glanced. You know, they're just there to be like we're the parents of the rest of these kids, so they don't get as much screen time really. But on to the actual kids themselves, and I gotta say, you've got yourself a wide variety of abilities. Boy, how do yes you do, and some of them are. Only there to contradict the other people with superpowers. So we have, for instance, Rewind and Fast Forward. Rewind played by Isaiah Bailey and Fast Forward played by Akira Akbar. And they're just the polar opposites because they're twins. Ha <laughs> ha. Uh, uh, twinning. Twinning. Twinsies. Oh, Gotta hate each other. It does seem like Fast Forward got the short end of the stick. Because Rewind seems to be able to rewind others and himself, and it's rewind, so you can do redos as many times as you can rewind, I guess. Yeah, that's true. There's fast-forward can fast-forward time, which, I guess, when she fast-forwards certain things, it's like it skips. Yeah. So, I don't know why her power is useful, really. Except making slow-mo faster. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. I suppose, in terms of fast-forwarding someone's physical abilities, I guess, or just making them move quicker, but... That's really the only time we see her powers kind of be useful. Because in other moments, it's just in in spite of her brother, really. It's just like, you know, I didn't want to see it again, so I'm going to fast forward the three minutes you just rewound. It's like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> and let's not forget, during the scene where she fast forwards slow-mo, she requires her brother's help. Oh, yeah. No, they, they do a lot of combination stuff weirdly happens between their abilities, which seems to only take on attributes of either one or the other. So I don't understand how combining their powers actually amplifies the other's powers. Yeah, it's like to use their power, they need to move their fingers or hands in a certain direction. Yeah. Now, while Fast Forward can't rewind time, if she replaces one of Rewind's hands going in the reverse direction then it can work to aid him in his ability since their powers are the same but i guess if they were weren't a twin if they were a single person they would have both those powers it's probably something Uh, weird like that so by 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 combining their powers together they actually get the true ability which would be i don't know just actual time control to a certain extent that's true we can be heroes does a decent job of getting every character to use their abilities even if it is sometimes unnecessary or useless. Yeah. Robert made it, so everyone has a role to play, even if it's small or could be played by someone else. So everyone has a place. Yeah. Which is quite nice. It's nice that everybody gets a chance to show off what they can do. Like, I I will say that probably some of the most underused child superheroes in this film are Facemaker, Slow Mo, and Acapella, who are yeah. played by Andrew Diaz, Dylan Lau, and Lotus Blossom. I gotta say, like, even though, like, Acapella's ability is actually pretty good, you know, depending on the pitch of her voice, she can affect the things around her, or even make things fly, or create shockwaves, she isn't used that much. No, hers is one of the more powerful abilities as well, I think. Yeah. And even with, like, slow-mo's weird, honestly, 
weird, I guess, disability. Yeah, like a, a super disability. They, they state that slow-mo is going so, so incredibly fast. Just so unbelievably fast that he's caught himself in a gosh dang time warp that makes him go slow. Which is the most dumbest shit I've ever heard. <laughs> and <laughs> i got to say, I, I love the... I kind of love almost every scene he's in now. Especially yeah. the ones where he's forced to fight someone without being sped up. Because it's just... It's like you could just see his hands slowly hit them. But I guess he's still got the force of if he was going fast. Yeah, he's still got like a powerful super punch. And the most inconceivable one for me is that there's a bit at the end where he falls slowly down to the ground. But to him, I guess he'd be falling normally to the ground. So I don't understand why he didn't die. It's almost as if Sometimes the power works from our perspective and sometimes it works from his. Yeah. So when he's interacting with people, like punching them, it works from his perspective. But when he's falling, it works from our perspective as we perceive him falling slowly. So he doesn't get, you know, the full force of the fall. It works how they want it to work at times. And yeah. I don't think I need to question it much. <laughs> no. Like when when the story wants it to work one way, it will do. Yeah. And let's not forget in the scene where he's falling slowly, almost every other powered person on the team could have achieved the goal of getting that motherboard sooner than he did. Of course. But just before we get onto that, we also have Facemaker, who also gets screen time. Now, most of the time, he's on the screen being horrendous comic relief. Now, yeah. I know for a fact that that is the writing and not the kid actor's fault. Because really, they're just following direction. I mean, let's just let's just say it for what he is. He's a prick. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Yeah, he's a kid, but they, how he's been written, he's obnoxious. He's an obnoxious asshole. Yeah, and I gotta say though, his use of actually turning into one of the other kids and faking out the whole alien armada thing, including the boss of the aliens that can see the future, might I add. The actual use of his face thing, of the fact that he can turn his face into literally anything that he wants, so he can turn it like cartoonish, he can turn it into other people's faces, and they they do, a, honestly, a pretty damn good fake-out for this film. His power's almost like noodles, except instead of limbs, he can just control his face as if it was like Play-Doh. Yeah. And, you know, as much as I sort of dislike the character, because he's, he's not funny... Nah. He's just not. Kids might enjoy the faces, though. Yeah. That's the target audience. That's true. And anime lovers of the Agu eyes will also love some of his faces. Oh, uh, it's so weird. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's so uncanny. Bad. It's oh, oh, Don't like it. <laughs> but um, you've mentioned noodles, and that goes on to some of the more useful, I guess, or some of the more prominent side characters in which we have Noodles, who is played by Lion Daniels, in which he is Mr. Fantastic. He's got the noodly, noodly arms and legs. Or is it just arms? He can extend his arms, his legs, and his neck. As far as I'm aware, that's, yes. all, we can... that's all we've seen him extend. It'd be weird if he can do creepy salad fingers. Oh, I'd like God, to see yeah. that. I'd like to see his eyes pop out like a snail. That'd be neat. Or like big ears to hear better. Gotta say, motherfucker's strong as fuck. I think he might actually be... The strongest character in this, shown from a physical perspective, from ours. Because not only does he steal a bunch of shit, 
because they use a combination of like Rewind's powers and his sort of quick noodly arms to steal a bunch of stuff. There's a bit where they fly this like trolley and it's they're like, we're about to fucking crash into a building. We've got to veer off course. And Noodles is like, don't worry, I'm on the case. Grabs the pole of the trolley, jumps out, lands on the ground, grabs a fucking like lamp post or something. And then he's just there fucking swinging it around. Motherfucker's yeah. like 10 years old. That is a hell of a feat. <laughs> it's like, Jesus. I will say, they slipped up towards the end, though, because the reason slow-mo has to slowly fall to the ground is because a thing filled with nuke codes... I don't know what the fuck it's filled. It's deactivation codes. They're hacking the algorithm by exchanging the motherboard while it's still hot. Yeah. Yeah. And it falls to the ground, like, a very, very far portal ground thing. And he stretches, and he's like, Ooh, three centimetres away, guys, can't reach it. Literally just, just hang a bit hang a bit further. Yeah, just hang, please. Just, oh, just get uh, it. Just pick just, it up. Just, just go. <laughs> he's standing up. Just go on your belly, and you can reach. You don't even have to hang off. Have someone grab your feet, and then just go a bit further down. Yeah. Acapella can fly and float objects. She could do it. Yep. Fucking rewind. Could have just rewound the thing before it fucking fell. Yep. And it seems like weird selective memory with Rewind as well. I don't think we've mentioned that. Where oh, sometimes yeah. you know you've been rewound and other times you don't know you've been rewound. So I think he can choose who remembers being rewound because he's rewinding them inside his bubble, I guess. It's weird. Oh, jeez. Oh, but yeah, literally anyone could have anyone else except the human. The, yes. I say human as in the unpowered could have easily reached that. Well, and Wills. <laughs> and- I forgot about him. And Facemaker. Facemaker couldn't have got down there. I don't know. He could have just stretched his tongue. <laughs> well, I don't know if he can, but he could have. He could try. Uh-oh. I'm going to Facemake an extra long tongue. <laughs> Jesus, who is he? Fucking Gene Simmons. I fucking, oh, no. But as you mentioned, there is a character called Wheels. Yeah, with a very ironic actor's name. Honestly, I'm not going to lie. I have uh, only just seen the actor's name. And uh, Andy Walken... Who plays uh, Wheels? Who yep. is he? Wheels, the uh, disabled hero, played by Mr. <laughs> a Walkin. <laughs> Mr. A Walkin. Oh, you oh. know what? That uh, that has got to be. It feels like a setup. Yeah, yeah, it really does. Because if that is purely accidental, that is that is still <laughs> absolutely hilarious. But Wheels is not only a super genius, but he is so strong that he's. God damn legs will tear themselves apart if he flexes a leg muscle. <laughs> it's like, what? I, I genuinely felt like that is so horrific. Because I can imagine that one day, you know, if he, ju- if he just tries to, if he even attempts to, his legs will just horrifically explode. Someone will make him jump one day and he'll flinch. <laughs> And when he flinches, his legs are just explode <laughs> like a goddamn time bomb. <laughs> just like there, there it goes. It's like, oh no. I do think it's a cool idea. Much like slow mo, having your power be, I guess, so uncontrollable or so strong that it actually, I guess, cripples you to an extent. Yeah. I do think that's a cool idea, but I also think with the character of Wheels, they could have just had him be a normal disabled kid, like with no, with the superpower. Because then it can show, if there are any disabled children who watch this, they can relate more to a character who's going through a similar thing they are. Yeah. Rather than, oh no, I can use my legs, they're just too damn strong. 
So it, I don't know. I really like how they've turned the powers into, I guess, negative things. They've, there's negative consequences to some of their powers. Yeah. But slow-mo does that well enough that I think they could have had wheels in a different position. No, that's true. I mean, literally everything about slow-mo's power is so incredibly strong that he's just now permanently in a state of slow-mo to everybody else, I think. Yeah, except at the end where he does exhale twice, control his powers and move a bit quicker. Yeah. Um, but Wheels Wheels plays the typical, I guess, super genius character type. He pulls a Batman many times in which he's just like, Alien tech! I'm gonna use it! Even though they do give the incredible response of, Oh, it's, it's like the native for children! It's so intuitive! Fucking, this picture of the go button means it'll go. It's like, oh. Uh, to disable the shield, press the big shield button. Press the big shield button. Now, this was intentional, as it was foreshadowing yeah. the actual twist Twi- of, the, yeah. <laughs> of, of the movie, of the plot. But it does also still feel a bit forced. It also kind of makes any smart plays done by the children a little less smart yeah like this super genius can only work this super technology because there's a big button that says turn me off and it's an on off button yeah it's like oh (laughs) it's it's like they've written their password on the desk next to the computer it's like i'm a super genius i know for a fact that the shield off button that specifically says shield off on it turns the shield off It's like, uh, mm, try again next time, mate, you know? (laughs) You make your intricately experimental don't know if it's going to work or not motherboard and we'll leave the shield thing to the side. Any other character could have went, oh, the shield button, maybe that's for the shield. (laughs) Yeah. And, um, but you know what? They do some creative stuff with wheels and he also gets involved in some of the fights and he does a (laughs) sick sort of I guess, high bar handstand as he revs up that wheelchair to knock people over. It's like, oh, wheels, you did it again. During that scene, he's doing a combo move with noodles. And a few characters do combine their abilities together. And I gotta say, you know, we've had the Justice League. You know, we've had the Justice League part two. And somehow, We Can Be Heroes uses combination attacks more than both of those films. Yeah, the combination attacks are kind of forced, but they're there, and it's cool to see them working together when before they're at each other's throats, like their parents are. And that also fits with the whole dynamic of finally becoming a team and working together, and I guess, you know, doing what the adults couldn't do, which is work together, because as per the theme of the film, adults are dumb. Only if they're able-bodied and there's nothing wrong with them. Yeah. Rodriguez seems to be intentionally placing people in a situation where, I guess, those who are considered able-bodied, I guess, in their prime, are the ones who are in trouble and cannot do anything in the situation, where if you're young, if you're elderly, if you're disabled, that doesn't matter. You can still be a hero. We can be heroes. We can be heroes! And I gotta say that the person who becomes probably the most overpowered hero by the end of it is Wildcard, played by nathan blair because i gotta say he starts off with a power that i genuinely really enjoyed and then ends with a power that i go oh no he can just do anything now yeah <laughs> what like, what have they done 
It's like, oh, he best stay a good guy, because if he ever goes evil, you're all fucking They introduce fucked. him as the kid who has every power imaginable, but cannot control them. In the end, he can control yeah. them. So he is now just a, a god. Everything. Yeah, he's just a god. When before, just half an hour ago, he it was, was a, a toaster. toaster. And you know what? I I enjoyed that. Because I me, did as well. Because <laughs> to me, I genuinely loved the idea of he has every power imaginable, but his power only works in a vague sense. So I yeah. like the idea of the more he gains control, the more sort of like the power he wants he becomes. Because he wanted heat vision, and he became a hot toaster. And I'm like, you know, that was actually, like, he's showing growth. Because instead of, you know, wanting to teleport, he's not blowing nukes up. <laughs> it's <laughs> like, you know, good, good job. I don't think he should have had full power by the end, though. No. I think something close to what he wanted would be fine. Yes. And maybe just leave it at that. Like, I, I would have loved it if it was just at least with some sort of disadvantage. Like, he's always wanted to teleport, and he does get to teleport, which, you know, good on good on you, kid. But, at the same time, he also uses, like, heat vision, and ice blast, and electric fingers, and teleportation, and he could probably go indestructible if he wants to. Maybe the more control he has, or the more control he tries to put on a power, the weaker it becomes. So his teleport just becomes very short distances the more he focuses. So he has to let it run somewhat chaotic in order to get the most out of it. That's what I would have loved to see, to be honest. Like, I would have yeah. loved to see it if once he got control over his powers, sort of like, maybe when he goes down to pick up slow-mo, he accidentally realises a little bit of flaw in his power, and he sort of ends up teleporting just a little bit above slow-mo. And then as he teleports again, he's almost too far away from reaching onto the edge in which the noodles grabs him. And I felt like that would have yeah. shown a good disadvantage to him just being all-powerful. But instead he starts praying yeah. and all of his powers <laughs> <Yes>. work. <laughs> that is that is it. He has found his zen. <laughs> and in terms of a character, Wildcard is just the moody teen until he's not. And he was also, as the name suggests, the Wildcard until he no longer is. Until he no longer is. He is a character that started off as a character until he no longer was. <laughs> nope, and now he's the most powerful member of the team and can do anything he wants. Oh no. Talking about raw power. And zen. Is Guppy, played by Vivian Blair, who is... The demon spawn child of Shark Boy and Lava Girl. And is super adorable. And he's super adorbs. Super adorbs. <laughs> and, um, you know, Lava Girl to me, in terms of, I guess, transferring power onto her daughter, got really shafted because she's like 90%. Shark boy Shark. And, yeah. the con and the control of her power comes from Lava Girl. And I'm like, uh, okay. It's Shark Boy powers that are Lava Girl adjacent. Yes, that like is Lava true. Girl controlled lava. I can control water because my daddy's a shark. I'm also a shark and have the strength of a shark <laughs> yes. and have the bloodlust of a shark. <laughs> oh yeah, what else do you have that Lava Girl has? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> um... I can just control a vague substance like she controls a vague substance. <laughs> yeah, just just the fact that I'm female. There you go. Oh it's... yeah, that took, yeah, there you go. Uh, it's just, oh. But, you know what? Gopi is 
the tiniest, most adorable Hulk I've ever seen. Yeah, and starting from the beginning, you know, before their powers even develop anymore, Guppy is the strongest member of the team. 100%. She could take any one of those at the start of the movie. Not wildcard at the end, probably. No. I don't know about acapella either, but that would be a close one. Yeah, because, uh, you know, long range versus close range, that battle. Yeah. So see how it goes. Well, actually, no, I fucking say that, but Guppy learns to make goddamn liquid metal sharks using liquid metal. And everything she makes out of liquid can float. And can float. Like, just fly. It just flies. She rides a metal shark, <laughs> yeah, which does. is pretty badass for, like, uh, yeah, how old is <laughs> she? like, six. Yeah, probably she's younger like than that. Six or five years old or something like that. And she's riding metal sharks and beating up grown <laughs> men and, you know, getting... Uh, she's already started with goddamn anger problems. So she'll be in therapy. Oh, that's the shark blood. Yep. Yeah. When you think about it, actually, we did mention how she didn't really get much from Lava Girl. But think about it this way. Lava is just liquid rock, right? And liquid metals all mixed together. Okay. So maybe it's developed further in Guppy, and Guppy can control all liquids. Oh, God. So if she did come across lava or, like, liquid rock, molten rock, she could control that too. Oh, gee. You know what? Never mind, then. Looks like uh, looks like Wild Card isn't the strongest, because she can just blood bend the blood out of your body. Yeah, or <laughs> just take all the moisture out. Yeah. yeah, but then Wild Card will just have the ability to get the water back. Oh, no. He will just shapeshift into water, <laughs> or shapeshift, blood to rock. Oh, no. <laughs> It's just those two fighting for all eternity. Uh, but she, you know, she's got super strength. She beats up a bunch of people. She can use water bending. You know, she learns liquid metal water bending towards the end. And, you know, she says lines. Whether they're delivered well or not, that's more I mean, you can't, you can't really judge a child that young no, on their you acting can't. ability. Uh, but she's all right. But she, you know what? She is all right. She shows the flair of someone who knows that she can kick ass. And that's all you really <laughs> That's all you really need. Yeah, and she's definitely not really dry in her delivery like some of the other kids are. Because the kids, once they're conscious of acting, yeah. attempt to act and it comes off as dry and a bit cardboard. Yeah, that's But I guess true. being so young, she doesn't really have that as a concept in her mind. Yeah. And once again, it's not really fair to judge kids so young on their acting ability. No. But if we're talking about, I guess, characters who, you know, don't really get to act much in this film, um, there's Ojo? 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 Which is what? Spanish or something for I? Uh, I certainly wouldn't know. <laughs> Every name is... A, uh, a pun. Every name is a joke. Yes, on their sort of powers or something like that. Yeah, yeah. even their actual names, because I think, think Acapella's name is something Vox, and obviously Vox is in voice. Yes, yeah. And uh, I'm just going to call her O, just to make it easier for myself. And she's played by Halla Finlay, and she gets to speak 20 minutes towards the end. Yes, she does, because she plays the mute psychic. She also plays... Uh, alien overlord dictator. Which, to be honest, if you're a child actress that young and you get to play, you know, a future scene psychic and an overlord dictator alien, those are some sick roles you can put on that resume. Now, I'm not sure if this is correct, but the film sets it up that she has the power to see the future and then she draws the future. And... I'm not sure if it's just she can always see the future. She just chooses to draw specific moments because she is the one that's set this all up because this is a elaborate training program 
and she is the one that is the president of her planet or whatever this shit is. But yeah, she's, she's basically a psychic, she draws her visions and they come true. Which asks the question, how did she not already see that they would win? I don't know, it's strange. It's explained at some points in the film that her ability has like the restriction of five minutes or something along those lines. There seems to be a restriction on how far she can see. Yeah. But when Granada captures them um, or goes to take away all their abilities, like takes away the sippy cap yeah. from Guppy and stuff like that to sort of neuter them. Granada does say, I know how all this will end, so I'm not even going to bother doing this or that. Yeah. And I think it's mentioned two times that they sort of know how things will end. So it does sort of imply that either all the tentacle creatures can see through time, which I don't really believe. No. Or that Oho, being the leader of this group, has seen far enough into the future to know what to do. Yeah. In order to get a successful outcome. So it's... I don't really completely understand, because Oho's sort of a mixed bag. She has the ability to bring drawings to life as well. I was also just about to say that, because her powers either... Well, they don't develop. I reckon she can always do this, but yeah, based yeah. on what we see, she just immediately gets the ability to summon evil doodles. Yeah. And I, I kind of wish that that was just her power. The psychic thing really doesn't play into the theme of the film. It literally just goes oh, you know, we can see in the future, we know how it all ends. That shit's vague statements. They could have already known that they were going to win. So I kind of wish that her ability was just, I can draw doodles and they come to life. Heck, maybe that is their, their ability. Maybe the future thing is just something else. The movie only really happens because she's there. Yeah. Because everything was set in motion by her. She's always in part of the group as the, the fortune teller, which helps the super children team get in and fight. She basically moves the plot along. She does. She is, I think, the most necessary element to the plot. Yeah. Because she also has the the reveal, I guess, the foreshadowing of her being a tentacle spy, alien spy demon. And they notice that, and that's what encourages them to take certain actions. Then, in the end, we see that it was all her grand plan, and she actually never meant to hurt anyone. And it was all for the greater good of the galaxy slash universe. Yep. So, I think she is the pillar of the entire film, yeah, so to speak. She is literally the plot device. <laughs> yeah. Like, without her, the plot, they would have probably still been in that bunker, to be honest. If they hadn't discovered the fortune-telling ability... They never would have left. Nope. But in terms of, I guess, her character, she doesn't really have one. Because we only really get to learn about her towards the end. But at the same time, if you like the idea of, I guess, her being the main reason that the story goes along, the fact that she's like these alien head honcho type of thing. And to be honest, her doodle power is actually pretty enjoyable to watch towards the end of the film. Yeah. Other than that, though, she isn't really a character. She's just something that the other characters can bounce off of. Yeah, and let's not forget, she says herself that she was there as an observer. So that's why she stayed away from all the action and stayed quiet and didn't change the outcomes. Although they did use her fortune-telling powers, which, you know, sort of goes against that whole thing. Yeah, that's... Yeah, I mean... But that's just the thing. But if they hadn't done that, they wouldn't have gotten anywhere, so... No, yeah, so they had... Yeah. She kind of had to stop being an observer pretty pretty quickly, really. But um, I think it's time to, I guess, talk about the final 
character who is actually the main character, which is Missy Marino, who is the main character of this entire film. She is the first kid actor that we see on screen as well. And she plays the sort of no-powered strategic genius of the group. She sort of comes off as this person who doesn't want to make friends, or I guess she's down in the dumps about not having powers, but this is where it confuses me a little bit, because her character seems cheerful, she seems energetic, and she seems like herself and her dad are fine without powers, or just being normal, I guess. Because, I mean, her dad has powers. He's like Magneto or some shit for swords. Yeah, he has magnet hands, which I don't really get. No. No. But in terms of when she's, like, down in the bunker, her personality doesn't change, and I can't really tell what she's supposed to really be feeling. Because I understand the vibe of, I don't fit in. That's portrayed well. But in terms of the other stuff, she doesn't really seem to give a shit whether she's got powers or not. The movie does seem to apply that she's fed up of people asking her about the powers and, I guess, distances herself from people so she doesn't constantly get pestered or asked about it. Yeah. But besides that, we really don't see anyone mistreating her much, really? Not really. It doesn't really show her struggle as to why she has the mindset she does. Like, at most, Wildcard is a bit of a dick to her at the beginning. But even then, you know, everybody else is like, no, shut the fuck up. She figured out the one power that's really obvious that we couldn't figure out, even the super genius couldn't. And, yeah, you know, she's the one creating all these escape plans. She's the one that's like, we'll take the trolley and fly it to grandma's house. I'll be the one to basically be like, no, oh... We we literally figured out who you are because you showed us the picture of who you are, which also makes that not a smart moment for the characters because she legitimately no. showed them who she was. Well, it's an observant moment, but I guess she was the only one who saw the picture before telling Wildcard, so yeah. I guess any of the others might have noticed sooner, but she decided to keep it a secret. And at the end of the film, she's just the same character she started off with, except now she's just like, no. Now we can be heroes. That's the thing. She starts off fairly decisive. Yeah. She starts off fairly grounded and down to earth, you know, fairly level-headed. She ends in the same position, but for some reason, in the centre of the film, especially during the training montage, they decide to screw up her confidence. Oh, yeah. Because she made all these decisions to help them escape, even going against the other heroes who might not have agreed with her and proving herself right. Yes. Proving them wrong. So they all supported her. By then, they're already on her side. So she goes to this weird character arc that comes out of nowhere where she loses her confidence and has to get it back. For no reason whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Only to have them repeat one of the sequences in the in the final fight scene where she's using Noodle like a tightrope. Yeah. Unnecessarily. Because she's leading by example. I actually do think, in a way, she does have a power that's not shown. You reckon? Or she's just very good. Without realising she's good because of confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. If her fucking power is super confidence, I'm going to be super mad. What do you mean? She's she's <laughs> the ultimate high school hope. Oh no. Oh god, uh-oh. <laughs> but when she's training with her grandmother, and all the others are using their powers and getting better, and she's lack of confidence, doesn't know what's happening. Yeah. She jumps on the tightrope, 
Halfway through, she says, I can't do this. And then backpedals very quickly to the other end of the tightrope. <laughs> yes. Yeah. In a, it's, I mean, obviously she's on like a, a wire or something at this point, you know, like a harness. They do overuse the harnesses in this film. It's very blatant. Yeah. But she does this backpedal in a way that would be very difficult to do. Yeah. So it seems like she does have these really powerful abilities, or I guess she has a powerful ability. You know, she might just be really good at her body control. So she might have, like, perfect balance or something. Yeah. It could just be anything as simple as that. But it shows that she is a lot better than she thinks she is. Yeah. But that's why I don't understand where the lack of confidence comes in, because they seem to have been succeeding up to this point. But really, in terms of the actual characters, there's not much substance anywhere else in this film. I will say that my one major gripe that kind of made me dislike the film a little bit is just the whole plot twist angle that they try and set up because it's built up horrendously if it wasn't for the training thing and was just an alien invasion i do think jimmy neutron did it better uh, with the parent abduction this film to me felt like an alien invasion film that again they backpedaled on halfway through and went with the kind-hearted, no, this is just a training thing. Nobody, there's no real stakes. There's no real danger, you know? That's definitely the sort of thing you'd expect inside a child's <laughs> Max's imagination. That is true. That is true. <laughs> that is true. He's, 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 he thought, oh, what a cool alien invasion. And then went, actually, I, I'm bored of this now. Let's just make we it We can't really thing. hurt anyone. Yeah, we can only destroy a few buildings. Yeah, we can only cause millions of dollars worth of damage. <laughs> and for some reason, shuffle a building in a way that isn't physically possible. <laughs> I liked it, but it was very odd. But I think this would have made an actually really good alien invasion kids film. Mm. So especially since there's not many sort of superheroic alien invasion kids films out there. I feel like if they would have went full full throttle into that, it would have been pretty good. I will say that there's some of the nuances where they make fun of typical superhero tropes. And like the fact that oh, there's yeah, this yeah, there are. sort of scene where the camera comes in and we always picture that, you know, whenever superheroes are on camera, they're always posing. And it's like, how do they always know? And it's like, this shows a little bit of the human element of that, which I enjoyed. <laughs> I'm sort of like, no, when they're not on camera, they're just fuckheads. You know, they're just... Yeah, of, they don't even like each other. They're, they're dysfunctional. <laughs> and then when the cameras come on, they're all like, no, we're a happy superhero family. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say shit like that I enjoyed. Yeah, with the exception of Marcus, right? He, he doesn't pose, does he? Uh, no, no, and Marcus, I gotta say, in that I enjoyed, because he's the one that's been disassociated for so long that he's like, no, this typical superhero bollocks, it's a fucking camera. Just sh just be who you are. <laughs> this is not the way. <laughs> this is not the way. Oh, fuck's sake. But overall, I will say that this is a bad film for adult audiences, in my opinion, but I do think that it is a darn good kids' film. The set designs overall were pretty nice. They were bright, they were vibrant. They kind of looked like stuff off a Nickelodeon TV sort of kids' show type of vibe, not something that you expect from, like, a big budget movie. But overall, I do feel like some of the lines and dialogue are cringeworthy, there is bad acting, and some of it was really sort of boring or sort of made me cringe too much at the film. But I do feel like there is a lot of action scenes, the theme of sort of believing in yourself and coming together as one team. There's a bunch of goofs, there's a bunch of gaffs that I do think a lot of kids will laugh at or enjoy. 
I just think that there are a lot more enjoyable, smarter kids' films out there. So, for me, I would give it a 4 out of 10, but as a kids' film, I would give it a 6 out of 10. Yeah. Unless you know what to expect, and like I said, it's dumb fun. It's not supposed to be super serious, like most of your other like Marvel movies and stuff, which are designed for adults and children. Yeah. But there's a bit of, a, I guess, a deeper comedy to it. This is a very shallow comedy. It's very slapstick. It's very wacky. And it's meant to be. It's meant to be goofy. There are tons of issues with the acting. There are tons of issues with voiceover, overdub work, where the characters don't sync up. They removed slow-mo from scenes where he would actually just cause the team problems. So he's not there in some scenes, except sometimes he catches up at the end. (laughs) It's quite neat. And you can see where they didn't really put any effort into hiding the, the stunts through the cables or the harnesses. But all of this, you know, kids don't care about any of that. Kids don't care about the quality of acting or whether or not we can see this guy hanging from a harness that they've just hidden the wire of. They don't care about that. They care about the dumb fun, and I absolutely love it for it. And for that, I'm giving it a 6.5. And on that note, Fruitball fans, comes the end of the episode. As always, don't forget to follow us on Spotify and all other major podcast platforms to catch new episodes every Friday. Or support us directly by going to anchor.fm forward slash Fruitball Weekly. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Fruitball Weekly to keep up to date with Fruitball news, any giveaways we may be doing, or to catch our fan pick review polls every four weeks. Please send any feedback or any Fruitball episode ideas to us at fruitballweekly at gmail.com and we will catch you next week. See you then. See you then.